0: Well, hello, and welcome to our weekly sermon podcast here at Compass Community Church. Hey, it's Palm Sunday. Jesus enters Jerusalem with cheers and a fantastic welcome. He enters through the Golden Gate, and then later on in his teaching, he states, I am the gate. What exactly did that mean to his audience then, and what does it mean for us today? Join us as Andrew dives into the words of Jesus when he says, I am the gate.
1: Palm Sunday is always a day filled with mixed emotions because there is celebration in the air, but we still know that there is a journey to the cross. And while we are filled with joy as we worship Jesus, there's also an anticipation that sorrow will come. It's appropriate as a church that we take an entire week to follow Jesus as he moves from the triumphal entry to the upper room, to his trials, and then finally to Calvary before he is laid in the tomb and we come to meet him at the resurrection. 40% of the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are dedicated to this week, to this last seven days in the life of Jesus. That percentage increases to 65% when we come to the gospel of John. If the gospels were just simply biographies on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, you would expect a far more balanced approach to the different seasons in his life. But the gospel writers want us to focus here, They want us to reflect deeply on the importance, the significance, and the meaning of this last week in Jesus' life. They invite us to slow down, look deeply, and listen carefully as we follow Jesus on this journey that he made for you and me. It seems like we take a month to get ready for Christmas. But Easter can come and go, and we can almost miss it. Don't do that this year. Enter into this week. Maybe set aside time this week to read the Gospels. Go to the Gospel of Mark and read chapters 14, 15, and 16. Maybe just a little bit each day. And walk through this week with Jesus. Maybe it's time to take an opportunity several times this week just to set some time aside to reflect on the different aspects of the story as we make our way to the resurrection. Today, we begin the journey in John chapter 10. And I wanna invite you to open your Bibles there. John chapter 10, verses one to 10. And as you do, let's pray. Merciful God, as we enter into this holy week, I pray that you would turn our hearts again to Jerusalem and to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Speak to us through your word, And stir within us the gift of faith that we may not only praise him with our lips, but follow him in the way of the cross. And we pray this in his holy name. Amen. In John chapter 10, Jesus is at the height of his popularity, at the climax of his earthly ministry. Crowds have been coming to hear him teach and to watch the miracles that he has performed. And through his words and his actions, Jesus is revealing to them who he is and why he has come. In the immediate context, Jesus has just healed a blind man on the Sabbath and his authority and motivation for doing so is being challenged by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day. Jesus is a threat to their power and to their religious structure. They don't get Jesus and their goal is to get Jesus out of the way. They want to remove him and they're plotting to kill him. And we are coming to the turning point in John's gospel, moving from Jesus's ministry to his passion, from his teaching to his sacrifice, from his life to his death. Following this conversation in in chapter 11, Jesus will go and raise Lazarus from the dead, showing that he is God and he has power over death displaying what is a foreshadowing of his own death and resurrection. And then in chapter 12, we come to the triumphal entry of Palm Sunday that we celebrate today. Jesus coming up to Jerusalem, riding on a donkey as the humble king, riding through the golden gates as people wave their palm branches and lay coats on the road as an act of worship and as a declaration that Jesus is the king of their lives. But before all these actions swing into place, Jesus says this in John chapter 1 beginning in verse 1, John chapter 10 beginning in verse 1. Very truly I tell you Pharisees, the ones who were challenging him, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus uses, used this as a figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, therefore Jesus said, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever, Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Today we are continuing in our teaching series looking at the I am statements of Jesus in the gospel of John and our focus is on Jesus who says I am the gate. The I am statements of Jesus are really self descriptions. He's telling us who he is. He's sharing his innermost convictions about his own life and identity In a sense, Jesus is gathering up the whole gospel message and he is displaying it through what what are really autobiographical vignettes. There are seven of them and they are given to us by Jesus to help us realize that he is the great I am of the Old Testament. He is Jehovah God in the flesh. And as God in John 10, Jesus makes two audacious claims about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd which we will look at on Good Friday. And he says, I am the gate, which we will look at today. We are all surrounded by gates. To get into a parking garage or many parking lots, you have to go through a gate. A little little wooden bar goes up and down once you've pressed the button or paid the fare. When you arrive at an airport, Or when you leave an airport, you do so through gates. To get to those gates, you have to go through security gates. When you drive up to the border, there is a gate. If you want to catch the subway in the city, you have to go through an electronic gate. Even on backside roads and country lanes, farmers' fields have gates on them in order to keep animals in and people out. Gates were really important in the ancient world as well. Gates provided security to a village or town. It was in the city gates where community life took place. It's where where the farmer's market would be set up. It's where civil matters were discussed and debated. It's where court judgments were announced. It's where life happened. And John puts this I Am statement right here at the hinge point of his gospel to highlight this truth. In Christ, the gate We have been given everything necessary for eternal and abundant life. The gate is where life happens. If you've been following along, you may have noticed that the I am statements overlap and interconnect. Often they communicate a similar message. In this one, Jesus uses the example of shepherds and sheep. He does so knowing that everyone who was listening would have understood what he was talking about. This is how Jesus taught. While the Pharisees try to make it hard for people to follow God, Jesus makes it easy. Even today, religion makes it complicated with plenty rules to keep, but Jesus makes it simple. He says, follow me. As for the example he used, in Jesus' day, sheep were kept in two ways. The first way was in a communal sheepfold in villages or towns. The shepherds would, would keep their sheep out on the field during the day, but would bring them back to the village at night. And they would lead them into a secure sheep pen, a public fold, if you will, that would, that would hold several flocks of sheep. And it would be placed under the care of the watchman whose, whose duty was to guard the gate at night and to admit the shepherds in the morning. And the shepherds would walk in and they would call out their own sheep and their sheep would respond to their voice and he would lead them out to pasture. That's the kind of fold that Jesus is talking about in the first part of chapter 10. The second way of how a shepherd would tend to his sheep was out in the countryside. Because during the warm season, the shepherds would take the sheep far, far from the villages. They would be gone sometimes for weeks at a time and at night they would enclose the sheep in a in folds that were built out on the hillside. The shepherd would herd the sheep into a low walled enclosure piled with rocks with a very small opening and at night since there was no gate just the opening the shepherd himself would lay down across that opening to keep the sheep in and the wild animals out. He literally would become a the gate. And that's the kind of gate that Jesus is talking about in the second part of this passage. Now, while we may not relate as easily to the shepherding metaphor, the truths from it apply just as powerfully today in our lives. And the first is this. Jesus is the one who makes eternal and abundant life possible because he is the gate of salvation. Jesus says, whoever enters through me will be saved. That's why the crowds cried Hosanna as Jesus came up to Jerusalem. Hosanna literally means save us or the one who saves us. To enter into the sheep pen was to enter into a place of safety and salvation. It had only one gate in and there was only one way for the sheep to get in and out. Jesus claims to be the only gate by which the sheep may make their way into the fold. And if the sheep don't get through the gate, they stay out for the evening. Similarly, Jesus is the one gate by which we must enter into salvation or remain outside of the kingdom of God. In, John, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus issues this invitation to us. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. There is a way that leads to eternal life and salvation and Jesus says, I am it. Next Sunday on Easter, we're gonna focus in and finish our series by looking at Jesus as the resurrection and the life. It is because of him that we do not need to be afraid of death. There is a life beyond this life and Jesus leads us safely there. Through his own death and resurrection, the threat of death is removed. It no longer has the last word. And the offer of salvation is given to us through Jesus. And that's why in Acts 4.12, we read, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It is through faith in Jesus that the door to our old life of sin and guilt has been shut. And the door to our new life in him, has been opened. Years ago, our family took the shortest visit ever to the Anne of Green Gables Museum in PEI. The museum's website promises breathtaking scenery, adventure, and natural wonders as you explore the 1872 family property of author Lucy Bodden Montgomery. But our boys just wanted to go to the beach that day, not to a museum. But I thought, how can you be in PEI and not go to Green Gables? And so we went. Now, if you've been, you might remember that after you pay for your admission, you're ushered into a little room and the door closes behind you. The lights grow dim and the movie begins, which sets the scene and tells the story. When the movie ends, a huge door opens at the other end of the room And you are transported to the fictional community of Green Gables, which is now yours to explore and enjoy. So you go through one door and you leave through another. But rather than going out and wandering down Lover's Lane or exploring Avonlea Woods, our boys went out, turned left, and exited to the parking lot, assuming that we had done the museum. So we went to the beach. Jesus, as the gate, is the one who saves us out of the world. He is the one who pays the price for our salvation, who closes the door behind us to our guilt and condemnation. And Jesus, as the gate, is the one who opens up before us and ushers us into life in the kingdom of God. He opens the gate to a whole new world that we can enjoy and discover. And that's what Palm Sunday is all about. This is the reason Jesus came. This is the reason he came up to Jerusalem. Jesus is intentionally embracing God's plan that he would suffer and die for the sins of the world and in doing so, open up a way for us through faith to come into a saving relationship with God. Jesus comes through the gate to become the gate. Palm Sun- that Palm Sunday donkey ride through the gate, it was an intentional one made in love so that we might be saved. And if you have never made the commitment of your life to God, to walking through that gate, there's no better time than Easter than for you to settle the matter, to declare Jesus as the king of your life, to say yes to God's offer of salvation and yes to Jesus as your savior. Jesus is the gate of salvation. He's also the gate of, of security. It says they will go in, they will come in and go out. Security is something that we all wish we had more of. That's why we lock our cars, insure our homes and invest our monies. We are looking for security and protection. For abundant life, there must not only be an assurance of salvation, there must also be a trust in our ongoing safety Jesus is confronting the Pharisees in these verses who regarded themselves as the shepherds of the people. Jesus was saying the true shepherd is one who comes by way of the watchman who is God. But the Pharisees are thieves who come in another way and are trying to lead the people astray. Notice that Jesus calls them both thieves and robbers. A thief is someone who steals by stealth, hiding what they have taken. A robber is one who steals by violence, forcefully taking what is not theirs. Jesus says the Pharisees are doing both. This is what religion does. It steals your freedom and it robs you of the grace that God has given to you. And as a church, we need to be careful that we don't become like the Pharisees in any way by laying down man-made rules that appear to be spiritual, but actually lead people away from freedom. And life in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul warns us that there is a spiritual battle going on in the world. And the enemies of of your soul are the world, the flesh, and the devil. In other words, in life, you will encounter and have to deal with external temptations, internal struggles, and a very real adversary who threatens, tempts, and deceives. And all of this leads to bondage and death. Death of innocence, death of relationships, and ultimately spiritual death because it leads people away from God. Think in your own life, where are you dealing with external temptations or with internal struggles? Are you open to naming those and sharing those areas of your life with God? Asking him to come in to bring in his truth, to bring in his power and his love and to set you free. Jesus is the gate who rescues us from this danger when we hear his voice and when we follow his lead. I think we just need to get way better at identifying his voice and distinguishing it from the many other voices that crowd into our lives. Because in Christ, we find eternal security, promised freedom, and no reason to fear. He is our gate, our protector. King David knew all about God as protector. In Psalm 46, he writes this. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And maybe that is a verse for you today because there's a lot of uncertainty and danger around us. Maybe it feels like your world is giving way. Let this be a reminder that God is all powerful, that he loves you, that he is in control and that he is with you. There is absolutely nothing that can touch you that he does not already know about and he will remain with you. He will protect you spiritually and he will guide you into the way of abundant life. Notice that it says, whoever enters will be saved. It's for certain, past tense, guaranteed, no exceptions. And this is, this full and secure life brings us freedom. We come in and we go out. Just think about this. To go in but not out means you are in a prison. To go out but not in means that you have been banished. The freedom to do both is necessary for true living. Without Christ, we are imprisoned. We are chained to our sinful nature and guilty past. And without Christ, we are banished. We are cut off from God's mercy, grace, and presence. But in Christ and with Christ, we have been set free and we come into the presence of God and we go out with God into the world. We come in and we go out and we are safe and secure because the chains that bound us have been broken and the barriers that blocked us have been removed. Paul knew all about this freedom. That's why he writes this in Romans chapter seven. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus saves us from sin and death. He secures us. He sets us free to live life to the full in the kingdom of God. He is the gate of salvation. He's the gate of security. And he is the gate of sufficiency and find pasture. So many people are wandering through life today looking for green pasture. Amy and I have an old apple tree in our backyard and for a number of winters when the when the snow would come in and food would be scarce, we would watch as deer would come up close to the house and they would be looking for food to feed themselves and they would find it in the apples that fell under the tree. In a world where it seems like winter will never end, people are still looking for food. They're looking for what will bring them joy and satisfy their souls. I read a report recently that that 70% of Canadians have changed their spending habits during the COVID pandemic. Rather than saving money, they're spending it more than ever on things like home renovations, technology, online services, recreational activities and hobbies. In times of uncertainty and stress, we're looking for comfort, we're looking for pasture. But do those things make us more content? more joyful, more relationally connected, more settled and satisfied. That's what Jesus is promising. And that's what we need now more than ever. In Psalm 23, we read, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David paints a beautiful picture. He says that God will make us lie down in green pastures and that he will restore our soul. Philip Keller wrote a book entitled A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And in the book, Keller says that in order for sheep to lie down, four things are required. First, they have to be full. Hungry sheep do not sleep. They stay on their feet looking for another mouthful of food. But Jesus is the bread of life. He feeds the deepest hunger in our souls. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider, the God who meets our needs. Second, the sheep must be unafraid. They will not lie down if they are fearful. If there is the least suspicion of an enemy, they are up on their feet ready to flee. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we know that in him, we do not need to be afraid. Third, they must be content. If flies or bad weather are bothering them, they will stay standing. They must be comfortable before they will lie down. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He leads us into the way we should go. Even in our doubts, we can trust him and in him is satisfaction of life. Finally, the sheep will not lie down unless there is harmony in the flock. If there is friction over the bunting order among them, they simply cannot relax and lie down. But Jesus is the vine. He is the one who connects us together. And as we remain in him, we will bear much fruit in the unity that he creates because he himself will become our peace. In his book, I Shall Not Want, Robert Ketchum tells the story of a Sunday school teacher who asked the children in her class if any of them could quote the entire 23rd Psalm and a little girl raised her hand. A bit skeptical, the girl's teacher uh, asked her if she really could quote the entire Psalm because she was quite little. She simply smiled and the little girl stood to her feet, faced the group and said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. Then she bowed and sat back down. She may have skipped over a few verses, but I think she captured the heart of the psalm. We are entirely content in the shepherd's care and there is nothing better that we could ever desire. On Palm Sunday, Jesus came through the gate to become the gate, the gate of salvation, the gate of security, the gate of sufficiency. The purpose of a gate is to either shut something in behind us or open something up to us. And Jesus does both. He shuts behind us the past guilt, sin, failure, loss, and pain. And he opens up to us forgiveness, freedom, security, victory, joy, and blessing. And that's why we can come in and go out and find pasture as we listen to his voice. The gate is where life happens. And Jesus is the gate. Let's pray together. For a moment in the quiet, before we respond with singing, I want to just give you a a moment to to close your eyes. And here in the presence of God, I want to... I want you to imagine yourself as one of those who were standing along the road that first Palm Sunday. Imagine Jesus making his way down the Mount of Olives on a donkey, riding up to the gates of Jerusalem. Can you feel the anticipation stirring in the crowd Can you see people straining to get a glimpse of the Savior? Perhaps parents lifting children onto their shoulders to see over the others. Can you hear the voices shouting out scripture and singing out praises? Now imagine Jesus turning his head and looking straight at you. Your eyes catch. And he smiles. What's your reaction? How do you respond when you hear him say, How often I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? What do you want to say to him? What do you have to offer him? What do you need from Jesus today? tell him. He's listening. He made this journey for you. Let me give you a moment and then I will close our time with prayer as we respond with praise. Oh Jesus, you are the gate. You are the one who who calls us in to salvation and security and sufficiency. You are the one who leads us out into life abundant in the kingdom of God. Today, give us the ability to hear your voice and to follow your lead we join in the crowd who proclaimed you as the one who saves, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. So lead us on King Jesus, I pray in your holy name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We are truly hopeful and prayerful that this podcast is helpful, that is encouraging and inspiring to you. And we'd love to connect with you to know where you're joining from or when you're listening. But we also love to know how we can make this podcast better simply reach out to us and let us know share with us your thoughts and opinions you can easily reach us through email which is office at this is compass or on any of our social media outlets and we would also love to connect with you to pray with you simply visit thisiscompass.com for our digital prayer card we'd be very happy to join with you and pray with you in whatever you're going through hey next week is easter how exciting is that we are incredibly excited here at compass and we hope that you are as well We'll see you next Sunday here at Compass Online.